Welcome to the Board Game Design Lab podcast. Each week, we want to bring you an insightful interview on a specific topic in board game design to help you design and create games people love. And now, here's your host, Gabe Barrett. What's up, my friends? Welcome to the Board Game Design Lab. Today, we're talking about testing. We're talking about blind playtesting, insights, lessons learned, that kind of thing. And we're talking to Mike Mihilsik from over at Coalition Games. Mike, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, I really appreciate you being here, man. All right, so we're talking blind playtesting, which is a little different than the normal you know, playtesting thing. It's kind of that next level. And I'm really excited to get your insights on that. But first, can you kind of give me the brief synopsis, your bio, how you got into game design, and what you're working on now? Yeah, uh, I'm Mike. I'm in Florida. I've been a paramedic for most of my life, so kind of went on a weird journey and then uh, kind of got into game design several years ago. Um, you know, always been uh, into games, that sort of thing. I started off on the Magic Pro Tour, um, did, uh, did that for a number of years, got out of it around like 2008, and that's kind of when I started to get into board games. I found it was just more accessible, it was more interesting. I could get people to play with me and like... You know, those people were, you know, interested in just having a good time and, and not necessarily just investing into one one hobby, but sort of having a having a good time with friends. And that, that started to kind of appeal to me more and more as I got a little bit older and started to loosen my hair. Uh, so that was good. Uh, <laughs> then um, as far as uh, game design, I guess I started to get into that. I guess it's, it's sort of the same story here with everyone that you, you have this idea of a game and you, you want that game to become a reality. Um, and for me, that game was, uh, it was a game that was based on the wheel of time, uh, which is a series of books by Robert Jordan. Um, and that, that turned out to be a terrible mistake for me, uh, because those games, those, those books are like a thousand pages long and they're like, it's 14 of them. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, that, that was, that was already just, that was a that was a poor life choice there, but uh, <laughs> I got better as I went on, and uh, now I'm actually working uh, for Quick Simple Fun Games. We are a, uh, a design studio down in Orlando as well. Um, we put out some games in North America, like Celestia, Hanamakoji is one of ours, and we've got like 18 games on the slate for this year. Oh wow! So uh, yeah, it's it's quite a few. Yeah, um, we're. Uh, we're, we're churning them out there. So, uh, and I also run a little company called Coalition Game Studios. That's something that's been around for about a year now. Gotcha. And I'm looking forward to talking about Coalition Game Studios kind of towards the end of the podcast, but just real, real briefly kind of tell people what that is. Sure, yeah. Uh, it's a... It's a freelance developer network. So people send us their games. Uh, we play test them to to custom uh, requests. People might say, you know, play this game over three, six, 10, 15 sessions or whatever. And uh, depending on the client's needs, we we tailor the service for them, whether they want development, whether they want just like raw play testing, uh, metrics, that sort of thing. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. And so, I mean, the main reason I've asked you to come and talk about this topic is because that's what you guys do. You you do blind playtesting. Give me, give me kind of, a, kind of a ballpark number on how many games that you guys have blind playtested over the last year. Uh, I've, I have no idea how many games, like individual sessions. I can tell you we've had forty-eight clients so far. So that's about that's a couple a month, and uh, each one of those is on average about six sessions. So uh, yeah, I guess. I guess around 250, 300 games. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. So you, you've got enough experience, enough information so far to kind of have a good idea of this whole blind playtesting thing. And so I'm, I'm pretty excited to talk about it, but let's, let's just kind of start right off the bat. What is blind playtesting? Because I sent, I was talking to a guy, that, I don't know, this was a few weeks ago, a couple months ago, something like that. And he was telling me about his game and he said, you know, playtesting was going really well. And I said, cool. Have you done any blind playtesting? And he said, like, you mean for people with like, 
disabilities or you know people that can't see very well he said no no i haven't i haven't done that yet should i do that and i was like whoa 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 like back up we're not talking about like literal blind people is is different so explain because maybe some people just don't know so explain what blind play testing is <laughs> right there's very little braille involved <laughs> right. uh, <laughs> so uh i would define blind play testing as it's just it's a method by which a designer can gather just raw unbiased reactions uh, on his or her creation. So you are sending your game out and you want the, the people that are playing the game or that, that are experiencing your experience, uh, you want them to not know that you are watching or that, or you just aren't watching at all. Yeah. And so, I mean, Rob Davio, he talked about this briefly in our episode uh, a couple weeks ago uh, about how at Hasbro, they had kind of like the, the, the police office kind of thing where you have, a room set up with a table and chairs and people would come in and play a game. And then you would watch them from behind glass, like the, the two way mirror or one, I don't know, whatever you say, two way glass, whatever, one way, whatever it is where you can see them and they can't see you that thing. And (laughs) that one, that one. And he would just like watch people and take notes, which is a little creepy to me. Like, I don't really want to do that. I just feel like that's a little sterile. It's a little odd. (laughs) Um, And so kind of explain the way you guys do it. So if I'm a designer, I would send you my game and then you would kind of take care of this playtesting, this blind playtesting. So kind of walk me through what that looks like. Yeah, sure. Um, what, uh, what you're talking about with Rob Davio, that's actually something that, the, that uh, Magic the Gathering, like it's it's very common uh, practice for, for blind te- playtesting. Yeah. Um, I would, in fact, call that the blind, the, uh, the gold standard for it. Like it's you and Ice-T behind a window. Nobody knows you're watching them and you're just you're observing. Like you're getting those natural reactions without – the, uh, the subject's knowledge. Gotcha. Um, unfortunately, we can't really fly you down here. We can't, we can't set up the whole <laughs> studio. Right. Yeah. So, uh, so what we do is we do kind of the next best thing is where you are essentially contracting out a developer and that developer is as invested in your game as you are. Yeah. Um, we are, we're here, we are at, we have industry experience. We have a lot of us are published designers. We are published developers. We are, uh, you know, involved in the industry in some way. And uh, we are lending our expertise and our, our observational skills to you uh, through the course of the service here. Um, the, the developer, the coordinator, will be there for every session. They'll be taking notes. They'll be asking focus group questions, you know, uh, trying to get the get playtesters' reactions out of them. And they serve as a good buffer for those playtesters because those playtesters can kind of express how they feel about the game without really having the designer in the room. You know, it's one thing I was... <laughs> I was reading this blog article the other day, and it was talking about Amazon reviews, and it kind of highlighted some of the just the the it's funny the funny reviews. But if you really like were to read it, and that was the book you had written that was being reviewed, it would probably hurt your feelings pretty bad. Like some of the things people <laughs> right. were saying about these these books on Amazon. But it kind of when you do blind playtesting, it gives people permission to just say exactly what they think because they're not they don't feel like oh the guy that made this is in the room. I don't want to say something and make him feel bad. Like they just have permission to just say, Hey, this is awful. This was terrible. This mechanic doesn't work. This is broken, whatever. And, and good or bad. They can say, this is really great as well, but it gives people kind of the, the opportunity to be as honest as possible. Uh, Cause they're talking to just somebody. They're not talking to the actual designer. And so I feel like there's a lot of value uh, in that. And that's kind of one of the reasons why blind play testing is so important, but let's talk about some other reasons why it's so important. Yeah, I mean, that's absolutely it. Like, if you imagine it like high school, right? Like, it's you're, you're trying to figure out what people think of you, right? <laughs> and, uh, and, like, you're 
by that comparison, like your your playtesters are your friends or your strangers or people that you're asking about you. Like they, I mean, they they might tell you you might have that one special friend or something like that that's just real honest or whatever. Yeah. And but for the most part, they're they're going to give you an answer as if they're speaking to you. Uh, blind playtesters are it's when you get that rare opportunity to overhear a conversation about you. You're hearing what people really think or what they you know what what they're sharing with one another that perspective. So um, uh, a lot of the time that can hurt, but a lot of the time it can be very very useful when you're trying to improve your yourself your, your product your project whatever it is so yeah definitely because i mean during the design process that's that's there's really no room for feelings you like don't bring your feelings into this because you're probably <laughs> right. going to get them hurt but it's your game gets so much better by by going through this kind of uh, tough you know red ink kind of process of somebody just going no 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 i don't like this that but you you learn so much in that and so any any other kind of ways that you found blind playtesting just to be super important in the process of taking a game from prototype to you know publishable or even just from like okay mediocre to good and maybe even from good to great absolutely like it, blind playtesting is very very good at giving you perspective uh it's good at allowing you to catch the things that you missed just because you were just a little bit too close to the project. Um, you, you may be missing certain flaws, certain things that, that people might not understand. Since you are the one that designed the systems, you might not entirely grasp how difficult to, uh, to learn the game is. Yeah, and like, like you say, we as designers, we can become way too close to the project, whether it's too close to the rule book where you're just missing typos, you're missing grammar mistakes because you're reading it the way you think it should be written or the way you have it in your head, but that's not actually what's on the page or, or people play your game totally differently than how you play it or how you think it should be played. This happened to me after some blind play testing, I got the feedback and I looked at it and I was like, wait, why, why are people doing that? That's stupid. Like, why would you play my game that way? You're dumb, you know, but they're not dumb. <laughs> right. That's how that's how they played it, and that was fine. And I, I needed that feedback to learn how to fix my game because people were playing it and trying different strategies that I had not even thought of. It's like, why would you do that? That doesn't make sense. But I have to go back and like rework my game, rework the incentives because they were there was something incentivizing them to play the game that way, right? And I'm looking mm -hmm. at it as a designer. It's like, oh, I don't understand why you're doing that. But that was so valuable as feedback. That's that's why this is so important. Uh, to have and so like you mentioned earlier you're talking about best practices kind of a gold standard kind of let's talk through some best practices you know some some things to help us uh, learn as much as we can through the blind playtesting uh, play process so really the, the the most important thing is that you hit on trying to get the, the cleanest feedback out of the session right um, you want the the players to feel like they're absolutely comfortable giving their raw reactions. Um, you don't want them to worry about, you know, what it, what's going to get back to the designer. You're not, you don't want them to worry about um, how their reactions might be interpreted or judged or whatever. You want them to be as honest as they can. Um, even if their, their feedback is wrong, even if their initial reaction is, well, maybe they just weren't considering something or if there was some kind of external factor or whatever, it's still real, really important to make them feel at home. Okay. Um, the, another good thing is really to not lead them in any direction. So when you're teaching a game, make sure that you are uh, teaching it just objectively. You don't want to bring people into the game and say, ah, oh, I got this fantastic game. You're going to love this. It has a really cool Rondell mechanism. It's really neat. Uh, you just want to say, this is a game about this. It's for it's this long. Uh, it, it involves some of these mechanisms. Would you like to play? You, you don't want to lead them in any direction. That's a great point. I remember <laughs> there have been so many times where I've been – 
at an event or a conference or something like that and, and listening to speakers about whatever topic and that people would get up and they would say things to the effect of, you know, I don't know that this talk is any good. It's like, well, why am I here? Like, if you don't think it's any good, <laughs> well, what do you, what? And like, it immediately makes me not necessarily shut off, but at least kind of think about like, gosh, I don't know if I want to listen to this guy if he's not even confident that what he's saying is any good. And so I think that's a great point. <laughs> sure, yeah. Like don't lead people one way or the other. Cause you want as clean of feedback as possible. But, you know, thinking about best practices as well, like, is there like a certain number or a range of, num- you know, number of play tests that somebody should kind of shoot for to get good feedback? And that's, that's a difficult question to answer. Like, one thing that you always hear is that people say play test as much as possible, get yeah. as many eyes and hands on the game as you possibly can. Um, the, the important thing with playtesting and even with blind playtesting is you need to playtest until you have the answer for the question you're asking. Yeah. So like you should never playtest just to play the game. That's that's called playing. That's not testing. <laughs> right. uh, you know, it's there's a difference between that and having a question you say is is this game viable? That might be your first question. Is this a game? Is it fun? Mm-hmm. You know, and as you begin to answer that, obviously you want to answer that first before you start building on a game, right? <laughs> yeah, but, uh, it, you know, once, once you build that, you want to say, all right, you know, is this strategic path? Is this viable? Is this, um, is this interaction balanced? That sort of thing. So always, always go into a, a play test with a question. I would say that you're done play testing that iteration once you know the answer. Yeah, that's a great way to look at it. You know, one of the questions I was going to ask is how do you know when the game is ready, whether it's ready to be pitched to a publisher, ready for Kickstarter, whatever. But I think that's a great way to look at it. When have your questions stopped being or, or not? They're no longer answered. Like you've, you've kind of answered all the questions that you had. It's like, OK, does my combat system work? Is it fun? Is it, you know, does it time well? You know, is it balanced? That kind of stuff. When you've answered those questions, OK, that maybe that part is ready. Not that it's perfect. Right. I think perfection is such an enemy in any creative endeavor, because if you're seeking perfection, you will never finish. Perfection, <laughs> right. perfection is the enemy of excellence. If you're really trying to make your game as perfect as possible, you will never complete it. That's just yeah, absolutely. If, if it's a, a uh, go ahead. There, I was going to say there's a, there's a tweet from Daniel Solis that I just it really stuck with me like a number of years ago, and uh, and he said that uh, that when you're trying to refine your game, it's possible to over polish it. Uh, It shouldn't be to polish a game to perfection. It should be to find the right texture for your game. Yeah. That's a great way to put it Um, because it never gets perfect. Like you will, especially as the creator, if you're the designer, there was always going to be something that you're like, man, I wish this was a little bit better. Eric Lang, Matt Leacock, all those guys that have designed some of the best games in the world. I promise you there's not a game they've created. And they're like, this was perfect. This is the best <laughs> this game could possibly be. No, they know that, you know, but you get to a point where there's a deadline or you get to a point where you just need to work on other projects or whatever. And you say, okay, this is as great as I can make it. And so let's just send it out into the world. But ready is very, very different than just like making compromises and saying, oh, good enough. Right. I think you know, good <laughs> yeah. enough is a dangerous thing. Like you're seeking greatness, you're seeking excellence, but not necessarily perfection. And so any other thoughts on ways to know that the game is, is ready, whether it's you know ready for blind playtesting. I think that's a good thing for people to, to know and understand. And then kind of when it's ready uh, after blind playtesting. Sure. Yeah. I mean, like we like we mentioned, you know, you you play test when you are looking to answer these questions. Uh, once you don't have any more questions, then, then you tend to feel like the game is ready. Like you're you're saying, all right, well, this is this is pretty good. That's a really good time for blind play testing because yeah. you're going to find the questions you didn't know to ask. Good point. Um, the the best time to blind play test is when you feel like you're done. Um, 
it's there are other times as well. Like if you're later in the progress, or excuse me, later in the process, um, if you are trying to blind play test, like get get focused feedback on specific parts of the uh, the game, more like a, as a as a project, as a uh, as a production rather than as the game. Um, for example, if you need to blind play test rules, if you need to blind play test uh, interface graphics, art, you know, all these different kind of things. See how people react to those. Those are all very important too. But that's that's kind of a different kind of blind play testing. Yeah, but that's a good point, though, as far as, like, you know, after, after you've kind of moved on from the basic prototype, once you've moved on, you know, if you've got art, if you've got graphic design, icons, things like that, it, the game really needs to go through a round of testing to make sure people understand. That, that's intuitive, oh, that they're not constantly having to refer back to the rule book, Roll for the Galaxy, about what this icon <laughs> means, you know, 47 times in a game. And so you want to you wanna kind of uh, understand different phases of your game, I think, and blind playtesting can, can help a lot with that. And as far as, like, knowing when your game is ready in that process of blind playtesting, and this is just me kind of thinking through it, would you say when... When people that are testing it kind of, they don't have any more questions. Like when they're kind of like, I think this game is done. When the testers are telling you, I feel like this game is done, I would buy this, or I think it's ready to be on a shelf, you know, right? Or maybe even when they're, when the testers are, are experiencing the kind of experience you're trying to create, right? So when they're having the experience that your game is setting out to create, is that a good place to be? Or is there more than that or other ideas I'm not thinking about? Huh, I, it, that's, that's another tricky one. Like I think for, for just about any game at, at any stage of completion, I would say that there are always testers that say, you know, I love this. This, this is great. Like, I want to buy this right now, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, obviously not if it's, you know, a, a terrible game or if it's very, very new or something like that. Yeah. But, uh, you know, you'll always have these these testers that are that are really interested in the game. Um, and on the other hand, I, I think that no matter how good the game is, you're still going to have testers that are going to find things wrong with it. So um, I, I think that each bit of feedback is kind of like a blip on the radar, right? And you're trying to kind of echolocate where your game is fitting in in the experience. If, if you think that that experience is as you're, as you're intending, then that, I, I would say that's a good time to say that your game's ready. Yeah, any kind of advice on... Drilling down into the feedback, you know, because so often when somebody has something or they've found something they don't like or something they think is wrong with the game or whatever, a lot of times they'll say one thing, but the problem is actually something else. You know, it's like, man, I just I feel like I, I need more money in the game. OK, when well you back up and it's like, oh, that's because this mechanism over here is broken and it needs to be pumping out more money than it is than it is. You know, so it's like, OK, the problem you're perceiving is that you don't have enough money, but the real issue is this mechanism over here, that kind of thing. And so do you have any advice on understanding what the true problem is, like kind of diving into the feedback? There's a really good quote from Neil Gaiman, and uh, it's uh, very different for for writing and for uh, and for board games sort of thing. But it, what he says is that your testers, your, or his, in his case, the test readers, your testers are great at telling you when there's a problem, but they're terrible at telling you how to fix it. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of up to us to really figure out, you know, what path to take, how to take their feedback. Um, what I think is really useful in this is really trying to to separate out playtester feelings from playtester suggestions um for me the most the most useful uh playtesters reactions are, are going to be how they felt about the game you know did you how did you feel about the game's length i felt it was like a little bit long i mean is that necessarily is that necessarily a problem no you just have to take it with a grain of salt you have to say you know maybe the game is long maybe this person was just you know look at their experience did they do they have certain turns to drag do they have you know do they not have the same opportunities as other players? What, what was the problem? And it's up to you to kind of sleuth out what those things are. 
Yeah, and that kind of leads into this this next question. How intentional do you need to be as far as finding certain kinds of gamers, different kinds of gamers, you know, people that really want to win, 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 or people that just are kind of casual, people that want to break your game, people that don't care? Like, how intentional should you be in that test group of different kinds of people? I don't know if I have the right answer to that, <laughs> but I'll give you my answer. For there you me. go. Give me your uh, answer. Like, Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, I can tell you that for Colin, we have a lot of requests from uh, clients that say, I, I only want my target audience. I only want people that would like this kind of game. Yeah. You know, I only want people that like heavy euros to play this. I only want people who like party games to play this. Um, I, I'm not really sure that that's the best way to, to, to target your, your audience for playtesting at least. Um, the, the main reason is because I think that a lot of designers tend to rely on that as a crutch and they might say, well, this is – I think that this negative feedback is coming from the fact that this just isn't their type of game. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's necessarily always the right, right approach. Uh, but for me, like if I'm going to try and target a group, I, I want to understand where each player is, where where their, their preferences lie. And I kind of want to consider that when I evaluate their feedback. Um, now, that's not always possible through blind playtesting, but for your own individual playtesting, that's absolutely right. You know, you, you know, your, your group, you know, your, your circle of friends and knowing them helps you interpret their feedback. Um, for, for blind playtesting, I think the best practice is just to target a demographic rather than a specific, uh, you know, a psychographic rather. Yeah. And then just, just recruit people that you feel like should like your game. Not yeah. necessarily people that like exactly that kind of game. Right. That's a good point. And I feel like, you know, there's a lot of value in having people that have different play styles, you know, and having people that play games, trying to find loopholes, trying to find ways to break the game so they can win, you know, that try to break your systems. There's value in that because it's going to stress your systems and you're going to figure out what mechanisms need to be changed or balanced or honed in or whatever. But I feel like there's also maybe a, a really, I don't, I don't, I don't know where it is, but there's a fine line in having people that enjoy that type of game, like people that like dungeon crawlers, for instance. Like if you have a dungeon crawler, it's good to have people that like dungeon crawlers play that game. But sure, it's yeah. also good to remember that it's probably not going to be just people who like dungeon crawlers. They're going to play your game. For instance, I play a lot of games that I don't really like, but I play them because my friends want to play it. Or I play it because my wife wants to play it. Something like that. And it's not a game I would ever choose. But now I am playing it because I want to enjoy this experience with my friends, with my wife, whatever. And so, you know, you have to be careful because trying to make a game for everybody is really making a game for nobody. Like, you can't please everybody. You know, people like Euro games, they like Ameritrash games, whatever, different types of games. But it's also helpful, I think, to have people that don't necessarily like that type of game just to get their feelings, just to get their feedback. Because in the wild, when the game is actually on the shelf or on people's tables, it's not just people who like party games who are going to be playing your party game. And so it's good to get feedback from both sides. Sure, absolutely. All right, so let's talk about paying for blind playtesting. Now, with Coalition, you guys are a service. You're a business. You know, people send you their game. They pay a certain fee. And you do, you know, X number of playtests, you provide feedback, you do different things uh, for that. But, I, you know, I feel like sometimes people get a little weird about, oh, I don't know, I don't want to pay for this. Why should I pay for this? So let's kind of walk through that process. You know, is blind playtesting worth it? I feel like you have a biased answer on that, but is blind playtesting? <laughs> I'm very biased. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> uh, but is it, you know, is it a good idea just for people uh, to know of in general? Like, am I going to get as good of information and feedback paying for it or is it going to be better than for free just kind of tell me let's talk about that 
uh, yeah, it's, it's, this is something I've seen pop up in a lot of forums and a lot of Facebook groups, this sort of thing. And it seems to be kind of a, a hot button topic. Like are, are paid playtesters going to give good feedback? Yeah. Um, and it's, it's tricky to say, like everyone seems to have a, a very different opinion on this. Um, it seems like the main concern that I'm hearing is that that people are going to tell you what you want to hear mm. if you pay them. So if I say, all right, I'm trying to get my game to the table. I'm going to give you guys 10 bucks a piece to sit down and, uh, and play this game. Um, there's this concern that, that people are going to say, oh, I loved it. Oh, it's great. Can I have $10 more, please? Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, which I don't know. I, I think that's it's kind of ridiculous. Like there's I think that we know as as if you've ever gotten one of your games to the table, if you've ever had playtesters, people are more interested in being a part of that. They're more interested in in giving their input on a on a creative project than they are in like whatever money that you can possibly give them. Right. Like there's not only is it like not fiscally possible to really pay playtesters on a, on a regular basis for this. Like it's just, it's not, right. you know, it's as small margin as the, uh, as board games are. Right? Yeah. <laughs> this is not something that can really happen. But, uh, I just, I, I don't believe from everything in my body of experience suggests that players are going to want to give you accurate feedback rather than just be yes, men. I, I think that's, uh, that's that's just a non-issue. Yeah, definitely. And and whether you're paying them with money or paying them with pizza and coke or something like that, I mean, they're still kind of getting paid one way or the other, whether it's dinner or actual money. But like with Coalition, what you guys do, people pay for the service, right? They're playing for the blind play testing experience. But I don't. You you guys don't actually play the individual players, right? Uh, no. So like, well, we uh, we have an overall fee, and that goes to your coordinator, your developer, uh, and it's up to them to to do a lot of different things. They, on average, like these guys will put in twenty, maybe even thirty hours into each individual client's case, and that's just corresponding with emails. They're arranging the uh, the groups. They're using their own personal pools of playtesters. They're uh, they're bringing in people, and they are uh, they're getting the game to the table, actually spending the time at the game, and then collecting, curating all the feedback. Uh, from all the other sessions. Um, after that, they'll also go through and prepare reports. Uh, sometimes they'll do like spreadsheets, all kinds of different things. But uh, but like overall, that when you when you pay a service like Coalition, then we are we're developing a game. That's that's a full service. Yeah, and I really want, I want to talk about Coalition more in depth in just a minute. But any kind of like final thoughts, any kind of like lessons learned, last insights for people that are kind of in that process or in that phase where they're thinking, okay, my game's to a point, it's ready for blind playtesting. Any kind of Final thoughts. Um, actually, yeah, I'm going to touch a bit more on the, on paid play paid play testers. Yeah. If I can even say the words, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> the uh, you know, I think the the best way to go is to incentivize play testers. It, if you want to, to get a pizza, beer, whatever. I think that's like almost an exchange of hospitality for yeah. for you know for input or advice. And I think that's that's completely normal. Like that's people expect that and that's or not necessarily expected, but they, they feel very good about that. Um if if you are paying individual playtesters, you're giving them a cash, then my concern isn't so much that they're going to tell you what what you want to hear, but it's actually that that a lot of people are going to try to do a good job, yeah. right? And that's that's my concern when it comes to blind playtesting, at least, or I guess even just to, to regular playtesting, is that if I'm going to pay someone to to sit down and play a game for an hour, then the you know how how does that affect their behavior, and what? I imagine, and I haven't proven this or anything like that. And, you know, this is just this is just thoughts here. But uh, I would imagine that the people would sit down at that table and they would say, "I want to, I want to do a good job. I want to do this well. I have, I have a certain work ethic. Yeah. I, I want to be engaged in this game. I want to be able to provide meaningful feedback." 
And when they have that motive, then that might not necessarily be the, the feedback that you need. You, you want to know when they're losing engagement. You want to know when they're bored. Yeah. And if they're, if they're really not feeling like they should be bored, then they might kind of suppress that. So, yeah, I think that's a great point. You want playtesting to be as normal as possible, like a normal environment, normal experience. So if somebody like feels like getting on their phone because they're bored, well, then they do that because this is just a normal kind of casual. How how people are going to play the game normally is how you want to test the game in, in playtesting. You know, that's one thing. You know, it's nice to have designers. You know, if you have friends that are game designers, it's nice to have them playtest your game because they're going to look at it totally different. They're going to see the game as designers a lot of time, and they're going to look at the systems and really kind of, okay, look at this and see how things work and all that. But a normal just kind of casual gamer is not going to look at the game like that. And so it's nice to have people kind of on both sides. But you really, like you're saying, you really want to have people – they're just going to play your game like they play any other game. The only difference is somebody's watching and there's some feedback at the end. There's like maybe a feedback <laughs> right. form. You know, like, see, that's the only difference. And, I, you know, I see how it'd be nice to have, you know, the police office kind of thing where you're looking behind the glass and, you know, you're watching people. Because <laughs> then you can get that uh, that full experience and you can really hone in and watch people kind of in their normal environment that don't know they're being watched or aren't aware that they're being watched because it's more normal. Right, absolutely. All right, so let's let's talk a little more in depth about Coalition it's a company, you know, I heard of, I don't know, a few months ago that I, I was super impressed with. So you guys, you, you just got done playtesting uh, one of my games, a football game called The League. Uh, it's a game I'm, I'm super excited about. I'm really having fun playing it and, and designing it and all that. And I sent it to you guys because, you know, for a person like me, I live in Honduras. And it's really just me and my wife. And I've got some friends here and there, but they're more into party-style games when we do games. And then most of the people I know speak Spanish. And I really didn't feel like trying to go through the rule book and translate it all into Spanish and try to get – it just didn't – again, going back to a normal situation, that wouldn't have been normal. And so I sent my game to you guys mainly to see how the game worked with three players, four players. You know, what did I miss? What did I not see? And I was super impressed with your process, with your communication, with the way you handled everything, with everything. You know, and, and it didn't really take that long, I think four or five weeks, something like that, for you guys to go through the six sessions of playtesting. The feedback was phenomenal. So I was super impressed with the way you guys operate. And that's actually why I reached out to you and said, hey, you want to come on my show? Like, you didn't even know who I was, which is really good. I didn't, I didn't get any kind of special treatment or anything. And so uh, just kind of walk people through, maybe they've never heard of Coalition, to give me kind of like the brief synopsis, not necessarily infomercial, but brief synopsis of, you know, what you guys are doing, what you offer, that kind of thing. Uh, no, I want a uh, I want a forty five minute infomercial starting right now. Uh, I'll be satisfied. <laughs> HSN with nothing style. We'll, we'll throw like a little countdown. If you act now, supplies are running out. <laughs> <Right>. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> no, uh, Coalition Game Studios. We've been open for about a year now, and um, we are a network of freelance developers. So people send us their games. Uh, we play test them across a set of focus groups, and we do a bunch of different things. So, uh, for example, if you are interested in having your game uh, play tested, like grinded out, just as many survey metrics as many uh you know uh different different uh test groups as you we, as we can possibly get in then we can give you a playtester survey spreadsheet which is where we're going to get a survey collection from each individual playtester you can put custom questions on there and we can actually graph out trends uh we do a bunch of different things with that so for example like you know the 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 average length of your game as com as compared to the satisfaction uh, of individual players in that game so uh 
there's a lot of different figures in there and averages and all kinds of all kinds of interesting numbers that uh, that can really give you a good idea of what your game looks like in the, in the large scale. Um, we also prepare prepare uh, evaluation reports, so it's a big, long, twelve hundred word, fifteen hundred word document that assesses your game across our six pillars of game design. And uh, in that document, that's it's just it's almost like a, a very in depth review from an industry insider that's going to give you strong feedback about your game um if it's bad feedback of course i mean if it's negative feedback then of course we can you you can use that to help you improve your game if it's positive then you can actually append that to your kickstarter to your publisher submission you can find a lot of value out of it there because we are a neutral impartial third party and all these documents are of course completely confidential it's up to you to share those so um so a lot of a lot of our clients get value out of that um if you are looking for uh, help with an idea if you have if you have a game that you're trying to, to really take to the next level uh, whether you're just trying to learn more about game design or whether you're just trying to uh, bring that game the last 10%, right? Uh, that that most difficult uh, finale yeah. there, right? Uh, you can send a game in and we'll actually assign a developer to you that will uh, kind of join you in the creative process and really helping you finish your game or helping you correct some of the problems that you may or may not have known were there already. So uh, that, that involves like a, an email correspondence. They'll make iterative changes. They'll actually propose those changes to you. So you almost you're you're basically recruiting a co-designer for a month, two months, that sort of thing. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the services overall are very, very customizable. Yeah. And so, again, like I high, highly recommend you guys, your service. Uh, one of the things that was so great, you know, in the feedback that I got back from you guys, I, I'm going back into the whole like, why are people playing the game that way? You know, there was a card that. Uh, that's kind of a mean spirited car, but I didn't realize it was mean spirited. Like my wife never felt mean spirited when she played it against me. Like she loved to play this card against me and it hurt me on my, when I was playing this football game, my team and all that. But in blind playtesting, what you guys found is like a lot of people would hold back and not want to play that card because it felt mean to them. It didn't quite fit the, the game as they wanted to experience it. And that was such good feedback because that had never once happened in my, you know, playtesting, just me and my wife, just one, one-on-one one kind of thing. And so it was so good to get that feedback and kind of learn and understand different things. And that was just one of many things that I learned through, through you guys, your guys' service. And so, you know, a few weeks ago, I reached out uh, to Mike and, and I, I said, hey, man, do you want to kind of like team up? Is there any kind of way we could partner together with Coalition and the Board Game Design Lab and, and the community uh, that's part of the BGDL? And so, you know, one thing I talked to Mike about was offering a discount. Right, and so Mike has agreed to offer a twenty dollars discount to anybody that is in the BGDL community. So uh, I'm going to send that out in an email. I send you the discount code. Uh, you'll get that in your email. This show will launch on a Wednesday. I will send that that out the next day on a Thursday. And also, I'll make that part of. So if you're listening to this and you're not a subscriber, you're not part of the community yet. Well, let me just welcome you. I would love to have you be a part of the community. There's all there's all sorts of resources that you can get. Uh, we do. Uh, contests and give away games and all sorts of really cool stuff. And now you're going to get a $20 discount on any kind of coalition game studios uh, services. And so I'll send that out and that'll be part of the welcome email from now on. So if you subscribe later, you know, if you're kind of late to the party, so to speak, that's going to go out in the welcome email. As soon as you subscribe, you'll get that discount code and I'll tell you about coalition, and all that good stuff. But Mike, where can people find you online? If they want to check out more, want to learn more about you, where, what's your uh, website? You can find us online at coalitiongames.com. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter and Facebook, and uh, I am always on Facebook, like 26 hours a day. <laughs> I'm, I'm on there, so feel free to reach out anytime. Yeah, so if people have questions, they can send you questions on Facebook or Twitter, right? Yeah, absolutely. Or if they want to tell you that, that 
paying for a service like this is garbage. I can tell you that too. They can absolutely tell me that. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, I'm super excited to be partnered with you guys again. Highly recommend it. Really loved my uh, experience. Looking to work with you guys again down the road. And so uh, just, again, you guys are awesome. And so that's the show. Really appreciate you guys listening. Mike, thank you so much for coming on the show, sharing insights and whatnot about blind playtesting. And uh, here in just a moment, we're going to head over to the bonus round. You can find all bonus rounds at BoardGameDesignLab.com. Also, if you want to subscribe, go to the website. There's a big red button that says subscribe. It couldn't be any easier. Just go to the main website, hit subscribe. It'll walk you. It's a super easy process. Uh, and all the bonus rounds, you get access to that as well. We're going to go over to the bonus round and talk about Euro games. Mike's a big fan of Euro games. We're going to talk about why Euro games are awesome, what he thinks as far as uh, what works really well, the mechanisms that he loves, and, and why uh, he wants to see more people design really great Euro games. We're going to talk about that in the bonus round. So again, Mike, appreciate your time. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, and I'm glad you uh, like the service. Yeah, definitely. I definitely did. And so good luck with everything you guys are working on, and uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Find all sorts of game design resources, bonus material, and chances to win free games at BoardGameDesignLab.com. And until next time, keep designing, keep playtesting, and keep creating great games. Did I mention keep playtesting?